1: We see it all throughout the Old Testament. God says to pile up rocks here or do this there in remembrance of something He's done. Why? So that we can remember during those low points and allow that to sustain us, as we'll see next. I honestly believe the Lord gives us those mountaintop experiences for the very purpose of sustaining us in the middle of the dark valleys. Hi there. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose continues with our survey of Job. We're in chapter 29 today, where Job reminds himself of when the Lord was with him. It's really significant considering all he's going through. Join us as we learn from this experience of Job. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
0: Job says it wasn't because I had all of this money or this popularity. It was because my clothing was righteousness. I lived according to the law word of God. Now notice the connection here. God was good to me. God was with me. God blessed me. So what he put in one of my hands, I wanted to give out with the other. Now granted, this could have been very easily disproven with Job's three so-called friends there. So Job is certainly not tooting his own horn. He's just stating this is what God did in my life. This is the kind of man I was by God's grace. Verse fifteen, to the blind I was their eyes, to the crippled I was their feet, to the poor I was their father, and if I didn't know what was really going on in a case, I played like a detective, verse sixteen, and I figured it out, and I helped. Job here being something of a king, something of a magistrate, a gentle, noble, benevolent, just, just leader. Other people says, when I came across the wicked man, I broke his jaw because I had the sword as a magistrate. And I took the spoil right out of his mouth to protect the righteous. And I don't think he's exaggerating here. I think if necessary, he was, as he said later, something of a magistrate in the land. You know, this is powerful. There is so much that can be said, but I just want to make a couple of brief points before we move to the conclusion. One, this is a picture of what those who have wealth and influence should be. Should be. You know, we give the poor a check. Well, the poor need money, but the poor also need leadership. They need examples It doesn't do any good to just pass out money by the basketful if we don't have men in society instead of saying, you know what, I could use these poor people as political pawns to get votes or, hey, let's use them and we'll make laws that make our companies more profitable. We see that all over our land. We need men like Job who help the poor and was a godly leader not a manipulator for his own purposes and advancement no wonder men today have lost respect for men who are in authority the polls say only 10% only 10% of the american people respect those who are in places of authority in civil government only 10% children don't even respect their parents And one of the reasons is because the church and its leaders have lost their way. We must begin with us because the city of man is what it is. And we can't really help the blind until we ourselves see. So what does Job say here? He says, God was good to me. God was with me. God blessed me. So what did I then do? By God's grace, well, I I sat on it. I enjoyed it for myself. I enjoyed my hoard. No, he says, I tried to help those around me who were in need. We can start there in our homes and with our children's Dads, you've got authority. But you need to make sure your children see you as a servant. Granted, they may not be blind and crippled like these who Job helped. But they need to see daddy as well as mommy as servants who want to do them well. And then within your community, can you imagine what it would be like if each one of us was able to to help one poor person this year to give them hope, to actually enter into their suffering with them? You know, various communities in our land, black, brown, white, They don't just need money. They don't just need social justice. We see where that gets us, don't we? Let's just go burn down Ferguson. They need real justice in terms of God's law applied to them lovingly by men who don't see them as pawns of the system or reliant on the system, but instead to see them productive and diligent. And we haven't seen that for 50 years in this country because it's just a lot easier to give handouts. All of our big society programs have only made us all debtors in one way or another. Either a debtor directly to the state or a debtor indirectly with our credit cards. Really, a slave. By having to basically shuffle money around to serve political Or personal ends. But that's not Job. Job took what was his own and he shared and he gave and he helped. And he felt the pain and he felt the trouble and the sorrow of others. We need to pray for a reformation in our land, my friends. In fact, let's pray for it in us first. If for no other reason... And that we have more sympathy toward those in need. And that we will understand when we see social unrest. It's not just, well, that group is at it again. And, and some of that may be true. And we know that there are race pimps and social agitators throughout our land of every color. But in the back of it all, it is because there is an abysmal number of men like Job. I don't know of hardly any in my circles, especially here among this group, who don't just give out money but give of themselves. Do you remember what Paul commends the church for in 2 Corinthians 8? He said, I'm glad you gave money. That is wonderful. People need money. We have to to live in this world. But I'm even more thankful that you gave yourself. Because that shows that you understand that it isn't just some noble condescension on your part for giving to the poor. It was because you recognize everything you have came from the Lord. So I'm humbled by God's goodness and I want to share it with those in real need. The second thing here, just more broadly, if I could move out of the economic and magistrate realm for a minute. Let's just take one word. Usefulness. Job sought to be a blessing to those around him. And maybe this is where we can apply this more. Why did Job do this? Well, of course, it's my duty. I'll feel guilty if I don't. No, not Job. I mean, you think a poor man has problems. Well, we all have problems. Paul says, hey, those who are sick will have a multitude of cares and troubles in this world. So it doesn't matter whether you are poor. You've got things that have a tendency to turn your thoughts inward, to think of self, your troubles, your problems. But here is Job turning himself outward. So everyone in here, if we're going to follow Job's example because God has been good to us, because the Almighty has been with us, We are called as disciples of Christ to turn ourselves inside out for one another. Think, who can I help? Who can I be a blessing to? Maybe the only opportunity God will ever give me, ladies, is to be a blessing to my husband. Maybe he's an ingrate. Maybe he doesn't really care about your efforts. Maybe when But when you stand before the Lord Jesus and you say, Lord, I did my best to turn myself inside out for my husband. I know what you have done for me, Lord. And I was humbled by your gift to me. Do You know what? Jesus is going to do for you. He's going to put a crown right on your head. Because as, as much as you did it unto the least of those, you did it unto me. And if you have broader opportunities, take advantage of them. Because when we are humbled by God's gift to us, by his presence with us, we do, like Job, want to reach out and help others in our church body and in the world. Or at least we should. Now, there was a little problem as we conclude the chapter in verses 18 through 25. Job had some false expectations because in those days when the Lord was with him, This is the way he thought, and he admits it. He says, I thought I was going to stay in my little nest forever. I thought I was going to stay forever. Think about it, beloved, wouldn't you? What do we know about Job? Well, from the first part of the book to here, he offered sacrifices continually. He prayed for his children continually. He was a humble man. He was a godly man. Job wasn't the kind of, you know, I'm pious. Everybody look at me. Job was more like, don't look at me. Job was a godly man. And yet here he thought, well, I've worshiped the Lord. I've loved him. I love to walk with him. Look how he's blessed me. I'm helping the fatherless and the widow and the poor. Things are going to stay like this forever. I'm going to die like this. He says in verse 19, I'm going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, like a tree that has dew on it all night long. He says in verse 20, I'm going to keep my strength forever. Men are always going to listen to me, verse 21. They're always going to respect my counsel. When I speak, they're always going to stop speaking. They're always going to want to wait for me because I'm like a shower of God's blessing in their lives, verse 23. And verse 24 is a little bit of irony. Job says, in effect, but when I laughed, they were kind of uncomfortable. Job was so reputed for his piety and godliness of character that when he laughed, people didn't know how exactly to take him. So Job says, they were always going to have a level of respect for me. Verse 25, it's always going to be like this. Now, can you imagine this? Job was so powerful that when the city council gathered together, Job says, now, Alex, you sit here. Ben, you sit over here. David, you sit here. Job was passing out the place cards as to where everyone in authority was going to sit He was thinking, this is where I'll be, and this will continue forever. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 30. I want you to notice the parallel here. And I want you to think, has this not been you and I at times? This psalm was very likely written when David's house was dedicated, so it was after he became the king. And I'd love to go through the whole thing, but let's begin in verse 6 of Psalm 30. Now, remember, Saul's dead. David's the king. He's been crowned a hero. Things are looking great. People are flocking to his banner. And he says, and in my prosperity, I said, I shall never, I shall never be moved. Have you ever had a job? making very good money and thought, okay, this is just going to last forever. I'm always going to have this. I'm always going to be this strong. I'm always going to be young and vigorous. And trust me, you're not. I know very well. I'm always going to have my wife or my husband. And it's always going to be wonderful between me and she. We think like this, don't we? Verse 7, Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You didn't hide your face, and I was troubled. So somewhere in the midst of David's joy and rejoicing, and rightly so, the Lord says, okay now, David, let me bring you back to where you were in some of your other psalms. I'm going to take away just for a little bit the sense of my sweet presence with you to see what happens. Lord, where are you? David was, great, I'm a king, great, I have all this stuff, but if I don't have you, Lord, I don't have anything. You see, the remarkable thing about Job was he had everything, and he recognized that. And now when you, we see him pining away for, he realized, you know what? At the end of chapter 29, I thought this was going to last forever. The wealth, the strength, the public honor, social usefulness that God gave to me. And in some respects, he is pining after it. But don't ever forget, every time you reach chapter 29 moving forward in your Bible, please give close attention to verse 5. Because everything in chapter 29 revolves around verse 5. When the Almighty was with me. So why is Job troubled now? Yea, my wealth is gone. Yea, I have lost my social influence. No one is listening to me now. My friends come and look at me and oh, they say you must be a vile, wicked man for all that has happened to you. No one is telling me to set the place cards now. For all the rulers of the land. What does Job want back the most? Well, it doesn't actually say it here. But I think it's very clear. He wants the Almighty back. Lord, if you don't raise me back up to the kind of influence again, that's okay. If I don't have the wealth that I had before, and maybe the rocks don't gush out oil anymore, okay but just come back to me. Because when you hide your face from me, I am greatly troubled. It doesn't matter what else I have or what I don't have. If you hide your face from me and there is no sense of your presence and your peace and your comfort and your covenant and your love in Jesus, life just is not worth living. So what do we do when we feel like that? Well, we follow what Job said here in Chapter 29. This must always go first, beloved. Let me remember God's faithfulness to me. Let me remember His blessings in my life. Let me turn my eyes off of myself and turn them upon Jesus. Because let me tell you a little secret about Christian living, and it took me a long time to learn this. The Father. It's always smiling at his son. He is always beaming at his son. His son is always his well-beloved. He is the one in whom his soul delights. Now catch this. And what is my connection to Jesus? If I am a Christian, I am united to him in an unbreakable bond, sealed with his own blood. So if I want God to smile at me again, now he's always smiling. But if I want to feel it, if I want to know it, if I want to be satisfied with it, I'm not going to be able to find it by the things that I do or by the things that I have. I've got to go back to one place. I've got to go through the old rugged cross. I've got to go back through the open tomb. And I've got to come back up to the throne of God and see the Lamb of God there looking as if he had be slain for me. And I call on the name of my Jesus. And then I know God is smiling at me because he is smiling at his son and I am united to his son. And in His Son, I am righteous. In His Son, I am justified. In His Son, I am vindicated. In His Son, I am secure. So secure as if I'm already in heaven. In Jesus, I possess everything. And I may lose everything on earth, but in Jesus, I have everything I need. That is what we do. When we feel, well, God's not smiling at me, let me go get a bottle. That's really going to help us, isn't it? Let me just put something in my ears so I don't hear anything but tunes. Let me go on social media to vent about my parents and my miserable life. Let me have my own little pity party and feel sorry for myself. Let me go find something that will help me forget my troubles. Beloved, the reason God brings trouble... It's not so we will all, so that we all can forget it. But so we can, in our trouble, be driven to joy in Him again through Jesus. That's why He sends suffering and chastening and death and loss. Beloved, it's not because He doesn't love us. Think about it. Did He love Job any less? No. You know, at some level, and we have to be really careful when we speak of God, But the Lord is singing over Job just as he always did. He's bellowing out song over Job. Look at my servant. Oh, I love my servant. Yes, he's going through some hard things right now, but it's going to be great. Because when it's all over, I'm going to reveal my glory to him. And yes, he will be humbled because I'm always God and men are always men But he's going to rejoice in me again, and I'm going to restore him again, and I'm going to show him that the whole time it was me, and I was his joy. I never left him. I never forsook him for a minute. When he was going through all that, I was still holding him. When he was in the dust, I was the one who was making his bed in his sickness. It was me. And the reason he didn't let go and do harm to himself or do what his wife told him to do, curse God and die. It was me because I never, ever, for one second, leave my children. Never. So if you want the joy back, there's only one place you can find it. It is in the rock of ages who was cleft for us. Just like Moses split the rock in the wilderness, the eternal Son of God clothed in our nature was struck down for us. And He has opened the fountains of the living waters to us. And in Him, the Father is always, always smiling at us. He is always singing over us. And the things we look back on and say, Hey man, you know, that's the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Well, just remember, no evil shall happen to the righteous. Well, oh, it doesn't mean there will be no pain. It doesn't mean no suffering. But it means it won't work for evil in your life. It always works for good. Because God is always with us in Jesus. Oh, beloved, he's sworn that to us. He is covenanted with us. It is a promise and a pledge. Amen.
1: And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. Dot org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, simply call 408 408- Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408 866-5607 or reformedheritage.org Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408 866-5607. Eight six six five six zero seven. 5607 Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.